1: Locked on Bucks. I'm your host Cain Pitman here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast. I relieved Frank Madden as the Bucks win game three 113 to 102. They take a 2-1 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action and Frank we, we can only talk about one man tonight. Uh, Chris Middleton, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 20 points in the fourth quarter alone. I, I just looked this up. He took 13 of the Bucks, 18 shots in the fourth quarter, and just added to the list of big performances that he said. I, I went on a little rant on my post game clip that I put on Twitter. But this guy, the postseason that he is putting together, when you think about the game one winner against Miami, game six against Brooklyn, 38 points in a win or go home. Game seven in overtime, Hits the shot that puts them into the Eastern Conference Finals and then tonight in a game that I think was heading towards one of the most frustrating losses I can ever remember in the Bucs in the postseason. He hit 20 points and went on an absolute heater of a lifetime. This is a guy that gets slandered all the time, Frank. He'll miss two shots in a row in the next game, and I'm telling you Twitter is going to be ready to send his ass to the NBL here in Australia, but he is consistently hit big shots when the Bucs needed to this postseason. I'm so pumped for him. This was an incredible performance. And I can't remember him even showing the emotion that he was showing on some of these shots. He knew that he was feeling it and the Bucs needed every single one of them.
0: Yeah, this was just a, I mean, a really quality win in that, you know, ugly, inconsistent. You start out really poor, but you stick with it. Um you don't shoot well to start, but you really, you know, the, the the team worked the inside in that first half, and then started to really get things going from the perimeter in the second half. And I mean, this will will not go down as one of the Bucks, you know, most comprehensive performances. There was a lot to be frustrated with, as you were alluding to. Um, you know, the Trae Young going down with the the ankle injury late in the third quarter. Bucks were, uh, I think within three at the time of the injury and Trey it trays out. I think like roughly only about, I think four minutes or so, I think in terms of like game game time. Um, and he comes back and the bucks have lost ground. It's 93 88. They go down 95 88 uh, with, you know, Lou Williams and a and, you know these guys giving life to to an Atlanta crowd that obviously was there was there for it right they were they were ready to to really get into this game throughout the night and bucks got on 95-88 and the start of that third quarter there were turnovers it was just it was just not not the way you wanted to start out that quarter down two and chris middleton comes back he hits a three to make it 95-91 and um, I think right after that, Connaughton, um, they got a turnover. Connaughton had a really impressive transition finish to make. I think it was ninety-three, ninety-five, And then Chris just took over from there, right? I mean, he hits, uh, I think, another couple threes, I want to say, um, and another couple long twos, a running kind of like semi-little hook flip shot through the center of the lane, and, and then ices it. I mean, it was, you know, the the game was not really that much in doubt, but kind of finishes it off with with a step back, with the clock running, shot clock running down, around two minutes left, I think it was, um, to really kind of just send this game and and take away any doubt. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny we we talked about, you know that that game Chris had in uh, against Brooklyn, the thirty eight point performance, what was it, ten rebounds, five five assists, five steals, and you know we're talking about like. Where does that rank in, in kind of the all-time Bucs performance, playoff performances that, that we'd seen, at least, you know, in, our, in our lifetimes? Um, this one was not as efficient, right? Um, his, his, he, he had to take more shots to get there. Still 15 out of 26, 6 out of 12 from 3. Uh, the rebounds, the assists. Uh, I, I mean, pr- pretty cool that, you know, whatever it was, 10 days after he has the playoff performance of his life, he has another game where, um, you know, maybe you'd argue, okay, it wasn't quite as efficient, but another 38 points. And the way he did it, saving his best for last, carrying the Bucks to that that critical, you know, it's, game three is always that crucial game in the series. If you're, you know, 1-1 so often, this is kind of the inflection point of a series. If the home team is up 2-0, it's obviously a must-win game for, the team defending home court, we saw that with the Bucks last series when they went down 2-0. And obviously, splitting the first two games, you've already given Atlanta life losing that first game. If you lose this game, you give Atlanta up. You know a, a, the ability to go up 2-1 with a chance to make a 3-1. Man, <laughs> that's not where you want to be. So, again, you're only halfway there to the NBA Finals, up 2-1. But such a crucial win. And to do it on a night where... You know, we haven't seen the Bucks fall fall behind early much in this playoff series, and even against the Nets. Nets didn't have a lot of fast starts. Bucks had a lot of first quarter leads. Um, we saw it again the first first two games here of this series as well. But Atlanta finally shot well tonight, and Bucks took their shots. <laughs> Bucks took those body blows, and it wasn't always pretty, but uh, with Chris Middleton leading the way and a lot of help from Giannis Netacumbo and some nice, real nice cameos from Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton. Uh, they end up getting the job done.
1: I want to get to some of that sort of resilience, I, I think, is the word to describe it because I think we've seen it from the Bucks right throughout this postseason, certainly in the series against Brooklyn and it's in stretches in um, this night tonight where they had every reason to be getting a little bit frustrated. But I'll, just one more thing on Chris Milton. I'm scrolling through Twitter here as you're speaking there about the way that he's delivered and that performance in Game 6 that he had. And I'm still getting comments going, Yeah, but he's inconsistent. That's why we're angry. You just can't rely on him. You you just can't rely on Chris Milton. I'm sorry. Like, this guy, the Bucs wouldn't even be in the postseason if it wasn't for Chris Milton right now. Like, you can't go through those list of games that I just mentioned when the Bucs have been under the most pressure and he's been the one that delivered. Like, he's won you four playoff games. Like, you wouldn't even be here. I I don't remember a sports star, certainly of teams that I've covered or followed, that the bar is so high. Like why is the bar for Chris Milton a top five player in the world that he can never have a night where he isn't, 60% 60% from the field and 50% from three, or he's a failure. I can't remember a player that is held to this high a standard as Chris Middleton. That you could watch tonight and you could watch this postseason and go, yeah, but he's inconsistent, man. Like he's not going to show up next game. What a joke, man. I, I, I can't believe it. I, I'm honestly like pissed off about this. That anyone would have that feeling after watching this game.
0: I mean, you know, this is the problem, right? Like anybody who's been around. One team, as long as Chris has, Chris has obviously had his ups and downs in, in playoff series in the past. Uh, he makes a lot of money, and so there's just going to be a section of the fan base that is going to, you know, always. And 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 look, I mean, the Bucs here are obviously, they are as close to the NBA Finals as they've ever been, right? <laughs> we've, we've seen them up 2-0 in an Eastern Conference Finals, so um, there's still work left to do, but you know, previously Bucks seasons have, have been gone down disappointment. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things, right? Like you hope that this is finally the year that, I mean, if you win a championship, all will be forgiven for everyone, (laughs) for everyone, you know, no one will be able to complain anymore. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm fortunate. I feel like I've curated the people I follow well enough that, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the, the Chris, slander and the Chris exasperation and all that as as much um but uh you know as you said he's just had a so many now huge games and and shots for this team in this playoff run that um you know you just you just hope that he's at the point now where you know he's beyond uh, you know getting psyched out right that game one the 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 shooting the over 9 shooting obviously was was terrible um, you know, if we, if we were going to pinpoint one player that, that who struggles, you know, probably the most to do with losing game one, it's probably Chris. And so if, to, to come, to come back and you know, he played well in game two, although, you know, really whatever, that was such a cakewalk. You didn't really need anybody's individual performance game two, but to really, I mean, single-handedly carry this team to a win tonight, um, more than make up for, for those struggles in game one. Um, it was just great to see. And you know, I, I think you you said, you know, resiliency, right? I think this whole team has shown really great resiliency during this playoffs. And you just hope that those kind of continued experiences um, continue to help them and, and continue to, to let them step up in, in new ways. And as they continue, hopefully, to progress series by series, that, uh, that you know, they can just some, can continue to build on it. I think what was so impressive tonight was you know, Chris first misses first two shots first two jump shots and immediately, you know, Atlanta's going up, whatever it was like 15 to four. They end up, they lead 25 to 10 at one point they're making threes, you know, Trey's hit. I don't know if you had a couple of like logo <laughs> threes in that first quarter, but you know, it felt like, Oh crap, you know, cause, cause that crowd it's their first chance to see the Hawks this series. They are into it. Um, and the bucks are not hitting their jump shots. And you just start thinking, oh God, is this just one of those games? Or is this another game where the Bucks aren't going to have it from three? And and how can they? How long can they hang in? Right? How long can you hang in <laughs> when uh, we've seen the Bucks hang in when the other team also doesn't shoot that well from three? But you know, Atlanta was, was shooting very well. I think what was it was it ten out of twenty two at halftime for Atlanta. And I know the Bucks at one point were one for ten, and I think they got up to like three for fourteen. Uh, I think that was where they were at around halftime. So they were really Hanging in, they get it to to even. They they run off ten straight points to to end the second quarter. Um, I, you know, I think I think that was a huge. I think the ends of quarters were really big because uh, they they closed the first quarter really well, and then they closed the second quarter really well to make sure Atlanta didn't have a lot of momentum coming coming into halftime. Um, but uh, you know, again, the starts of the starts of quarters <laughs> we saw it again at the start of that third quarter without Chris Middleton really. Really stepping up and just putting them on on their back, you know. It's not like we can even look at it and say that the Bucks were just like running perfect offense. I mean, it was just Chris Middleton being a bucket basically for a lot of that that third quarter. And um, uh, you know, again, you're just going to need that sometimes. And um, thankfully, Chris Chris stepped up, and um, you know, he got. We haven't talked about Giannis. Thirty three points from him tonight. I was um, a bit nervous with uh, him coming into the game with a calf injury. We saw him kind of grab his calf late in the game. He stayed in, seemed to be walking a little gingerly into the tunnel after the game. Hopefully that is something he'll just work through as he did today. But, um, you know, between Giannis's calf and Trey's ankle, I'm sure there'll be some trepidation from both teams' fan bases over the next couple of days. But, um, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just just a really, these are the kind of games you got to win to, to, you know, win a conference title, win an NBA championship. You got to be able to grind out these types of road wins, when you're down and you could easily fold, and um, I don't know, I don't know who, do, who else do you want to talk about here because there were a number of guys, including Bobby and Pat, that that really had um, important performances tonight. And um, like I said, Chris, I'm not sure. I think Chris had Chris definitely played well in, in Miami, um, but it felt like until late in the fourth quarter and overtime of Game Seven, he really struggled on the road in Brooklyn. And so it was it was awesome to see him step up in that hostile environment tonight and and carry the bucks. But as I said, he got some help and I don't know who do you want to start with as far as other guys and and some of the support he got tonight.
1: Well, we've spoke about energy a lot through this series and through this season, Frank, with, Bobby Portis in particular, bring in the energy. And I wonder whether he's a built bar fan because that's the only way that I could possibly explain why and how he has so much energy when he's out on the floor built bar is the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. There's nine delicious flavors Plus, occasionally they have a limited time flavor. So that's why you have to keep your eye on BuiltBar.com for when they have these releases. Of course, you know, uh, we are going to let you know about it here on the podcast. But if you can't choose which flavor you want, get a mix box. Again, I keep saying this, Bucks fans have their routines. They're eating Built Bars before the game. It's getting them through. They're healthy for you. Only 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs as well. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, I'm calmed down. All right. Thank you. you. You you brought me back down, Frank. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, I think we should um, <laughs> I, th- I think we should talk about Giannis. And by the way, I've got a theory with his calf injury that we haven't actually, or I, I certainly didn't see an incident. I know that he did look, um, you know, pretty sore at the end of game two when he was walking off the floor. It was certainly noticeable. So I wasn't exactly shocked that he was listed on the injury report. I actually thought. That it might have been the hip or something, again, that was just bothering him with that soreness. My theory is, and you may as well give me a job at The Athletic if I'm going to come up with this theory, but I think that when he goes up for that practice free throw, he's basically doing an extra calf raise. I think there's a story in that, that that extra free throw is an extra strain on his calf, and that's why he's a little bit sore. So anyway, like I said, The Athletic, if you want to hire me, feel free, but... <laughs> Let's talk about Giannis. Let's talk about Giannis. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a roll today. I'm on a roll today. Let's talk about Giannis. 13 for 21 from the field. He did take uh, two threes. He hit one of them. The other one was an air ball. So that's the, the story of Giannis behind the three-point line, as we know. Funnily enough, the three that he hit, actually, they kind of yeah. needed. It was in one of those segments of the game where they were kind of just getting back to level, then that dropped back by six, and then he he hit that three, and it was a pretty important one at the time. But I thought another monster game from him that's going to be overshadowed, and he just, against this team, can get wherever he wants. And it it seems that he's really figured this out. And that's why I found this game so frustrating, Frank, because I, I tweeted at the end of the third quarter that the Bucs offense, even if you don't think that it's necessarily the best execution, there were certainly turnovers tonight, but it feels like when they're locked in that they understand that they can get whatever they want offensively. We've seen them go to those... A quick transition deep seals and whether it's Portis whether it's Giannis whether it's Brooke they just get the ball there just that that touchdown pass in there it's basically easy points every single time so Giannis I think for the most part this series has done an excellent job of taking advantage of what's there for him again he missed a couple of layups tonight that you just kind of think man Those are just not the shots that we're used to seeing him. But I think as far as this series goes so far for Giannis, you can always point to little things. Six for 13 from the free throw line tonight. Not ideal, obviously, left some points there. But I think that in terms of him understanding how he can dominate a series and get to his spots, I think it's been mightily impressive from him. And then he also picked up a couple of steals. He had a block shot tonight as well. I think he, at times, the Bucks certainly had some breakdowns, but I thought... Giannis actually did a really, really good job when he was the guy that was the second defender in the pick and roll of of kind of surprising Trey. Like Trey would come around the screen and then as soon as he would come around the screen, Giannis was like right there in his face and would force him to... to to pull up that dribble, to pick up that dribble. So I think defensively, Giannis has been pretty good. But but overall, again, I think this points to the greatness of Giannis that you're going to look at this, this series so far, and he's averaging like 33 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists, and no one's talking about the dominance. I mean, his numbers are just absurd.
0: Yeah, he started tonight one out of five. Um, yeah. So it was a slow start. He was part of the slow start. Um, you know, he got blocked a couple times, looked like he got fouled a couple times, down low, no call. Uh, and he, though, went on that, I mean, pretty much, you know, like late first, second quarter, uh, he really started to inflict his will on, uh, on the Hawks and, you know, again, didn't really matter who they put on, put on him. Uh, he was determined to get to the rim. And, um, I think, I think again, one of the important things is like the Hawks defenders, whether it's Collins, Capella, um, or Okongwu. Okongu has probably had the best luck of anybody. I've been impressed with him in sort of shorter minutes Um, you know, they, they, they don't flop. They want to be, they try to be strong. And Giannis knows that he can really use his strength and really try to bully them. And they're not going to just fall over and try to draw a charge. And again, this is why, you know, I always say like, I I think when teams try to put like really big guys on them, he often has such good success because Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, like, okay, maybe they'll, (laughs) they'll flop at times, but they're kind of too proud to just let Giannis just sort of go through them. And, um, I thought we saw it today. I thought, you know, drew really struggled scoring wise, but he has 12 assists. You got him a number of easy buckets, um, around the, around basket. You know, when drew is like kind of, um, going under the basket and, and attacking how many times does it feel like Giannis is able to knife down the center of the lane and and get a dunk or a layup that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, just a, a really, just his consistency. Giannis night tonight, you know, really since game two against Brooklyn has just been so impressive, and I think, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, easy to obviously Chris was the story, but how about Giannis, hitting two jump shots right hits? A, I think it was one hundred three, one hundred or one hundred one ninety eight or something like that. I think they were up three, and he hits a little Dirk step back jumper on Gallinari who. Gallinari, of all the defenders, I feel like Gallinari might have frustrated Giannis the most because he was handsy and probably fouled him a little bit and didn't get calls and kind of was able to poke it away a couple of times. Gallinari might have been the most annoying defender <laughs> they could put on Giannis, which I'm not really sure that's a long-term solution there. But um, Gallo kind of annoyed him at times, but Giannis hits that little Dirk step back on him, and then uh, with the Bucks, I think up seven. Giannis gets to the middle and, um, you know, that, that kind of little fader from the middle where, uh, you know, he, he has the ball high. He's got that kind of Rashid Wallace high release. And I just think his touch looks so much nicer on those shots. And when he's in the middle, we saw it on that play tonight. Um, he, he just puts it up there real soft. And when you're shooting it straight on, you know, you can get a bounce that you can't get when you're shooting a fade away from the side and fade away from the baseline. And he got a nice little friendly touch front rim back rim and in and you know again just to see Giannis helping close out this game with a couple of jump shots was was obviously a really a really fun thing to see um and a nice little nice little touch you know in between all those uh Chris haymakers that that he threw uh in the fourth quarter so yeah I mean just you know Giannis doing Giannis stuff and um as you said I mean Trey hit a couple of long threes and in, in guys' faces tonight, including Giannis, I think you live with it, you know? Like, I, I I think when you look at Trey's numbers tonight, I mean, the 35 points is obviously impressive. Um, you know, he was efficient with his scoring tonight, 35 points on, on 23 shots, 6 out of 14 on threes. But, again, last game, 3 assists, 9 turnovers. This game, 4 assists, 4 turnovers, minus 13 in 39 minutes. It, you know, I, I think with Trey, if you can, if you can either – Take away his, his playmaking or take away his scoring. If you can take away one of those, you know, you definitely give yourself a chance to win. I mean, the Bucs had a great chance to win game one, even with him scoring 48 and, you know, 10-plus assists. Um, and last game, they obviously did a great job taking away both. Tonight, he ends up scoring a lot. But, you know, again, especially after that, uh, after the ankle injury. Did, did he hit one three after the ankle injury? I think he, he did score once, right? He but, hit one, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, you know, wasn't really able to impact the game significantly. And Atlanta, for all the threes that they hit, they still hit forty-one percent on the night. Um, you know, they shot a lot of blanks down the stretch, and you know, it's as Bucks fans we know the mean the mean reversion story, right? Like, you know, sometimes one team shoots really well in the first half, and then so often, you know, you come back down to earth in the second half. Um, you know, for them, I think they started what ten out of twenty-two. Uh, they end up five out of fifteen to close the game. Fifteen out of thirty-seven. That's still, you know, a very good three-point shooting night. More, that was very similar to what the Bucks shot last game. Um, the Bucks, meanwhile, started one out of ten, but finished ten out of nineteen to close the game. Eleven out of twenty-nine. So they really pulled it out um, shooting-wise today. Um, when obviously that was uh, that was you know an area that um, has been a source of frustration, obviously. And I don't think the Bucks are going to win a championship if they you know, continue to put up eight for thirty-three shooting nights every game, every other game, as we saw for too much of that Miami and and especially that that Brooklyn series. So, you know, hopefully hopefully that will continue. Uh Chris, six out of twelve. So he he really kind of carried carried the load in that regard. But um by the way, we should mention on Giannis's the one three pointer he made, I think they were down like seventy eight, seventy two maybe when he hit his three. But it's an it's an inbound. He gets the ball in the middle, like top of the key three runs a fake handoff with Chris where he like throws the ball between his legs, you know, like hit like a reverse between the legs <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. And then smoothly just like looks up from the left wing and just, you know, in one motion drains a three. It's just like, okay. <laughs> like, NBA Twitter was ready to just start roasting Giannis for the shot selection on that one, even though he only took a couple of threes tonight. Um, you know, he took that early, uh, that three in the third quarter that he aired balls and then he just, for some reason, confidently steps into that one. You know, again, if he takes two threes, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about you know his shot selection in that regard. Uh, overall, I thought his decision making was was very good tonight. But uh, yeah, just a funny little footnote on on Giannis's three. And but as while we're talking about funny threes, PJ Tucker one out of two tonight. Oh my goodness! The, the, <laughs> one three <laughs> being a attempted alley oop to Giannis. I didn't. I didn't see a replay of that. I I heard someone suggest that Giannis might have touched it. I, he, I don't know. He, I mean, he, t- he touched
1: the rim, like, but he didn't touch the no. ball.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, that was one of the more bizarre uh, threes that that the Bucks made tonight. But you know what? All right, that's fine. We we needed a little bit of luck, and um, you know, fortunately, they got it. And by, you know, I think you mentioned the points in the paint. Yet again, big advantage there. Fifty six. I think that's the fewest. Pain, point, pain points the Bucks have had in a game against the Hawks in this series, but plus 22 uh, tonight and um, obviously you will you will take that in a 123 offensive rating overall. I'd have to double check. I, I'm trying to think like other than last game. Uh, I'm not you know, I think these last two games have really been have to be probably the, the best offensive ratings the Bucks have put up maybe since I don't know, game two against Miami or something like that. Um, mm-hmm definitely feels like the Bucks' offense has kind of gotten, hopefully they've gotten out of the mud a bit here uh, in this series. And again, just a reminder, like, you know, every series is just different and it's just so hard to pro- project, you know, some guys just randomly suck all series and they've been, they're good again, the next series. I mean, game to game, you see all those variants, it's just, just, a. Uh, the way that the that sport can be and kind of one of the things that I think is kind of cool about basketball, you know, like you, you think you have a narrative locked down about a team or a player and then that comes the next series and it's, and it's totally different. And um, I don't know if you want to talk about it um, now. I, well, Let's talk about Bobby Portis. Um, what, what Give me your Bobby Portis thoughts tonight, because that to me was one of the, I'd say one of the more enjoyable things about this game you know, second straight game where we see Bobby kind of inject some much needed energy and, um, you know, play it in this game, obviously not being a blowout. I thought it was important that we see him really able to, to plug in and, and make a real difference. And hey, what do you know? The Bucks actually had two, two uh, bench guys contributing in a road game in the same game, which just seems like it was impossible <laughs> a week ago, but pretty impressive night from him. Let's talk about
1: betonline.ag, Frank. Uh, I'm not sure if those fans have been keeping an eye on the odds. I think heading into game three, the, the Hawks had a 4.5 point advantage coming in. The Bucks obviously covered that, but you can get all the odds for game four and futures NBA title. Perhaps if you're into uh, those types of things, you can find it all at betonline.ag. You can also find MLB, NHL. UFC, MMA, NFL futures. The NFL season is right around the corner. So you can do that by jumping on betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Just head to the website or use your mobile to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, Use the promo code Locked On there. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Both Bobby and Pat here, I mean, we, we always talk about the Bucks' rotation, and I will say this, if Milwaukee makes it through to the NBA Finals, um, I'm not looking forward to a stretch during the second quarter of Game 1 where Jeff Teague is guarding Chris Paul and getting absolutely cooked. But uh, as we know, uh, after Game 1, we tend to, tend to move away from the Jeff Teague experience. But as far as the rotation, Bryn Forbes continues to struggle. It's funny, uh, Frank, because I know we both got tagged in a tweet Yesterday I think it was, and it was basically along the lines of does Bryn Forbes know that he can pass the ball? Well, wow, you know that I am always on the on the watch for Bryn Forbes assists. Uh, he didn't have any tonight, but he only played seven minutes, got up six shots in that seven minutes. So uh the Bryn Forbiest of Bryn Forbes games tonight, and Bud was quick to pull him from the lineup. But Portis with fifteen points in 16 minutes, 7 for 12 from the field. Uh, He's rebounding. is there, as it always is. He picked up a couple of steals as well. And then Pat Conradin, this guy might be the best airball offensive rebounder of all time. I think his timing on understanding when his teammates are about to shoot an air ball is absolutely impeccable. He had four offensive rebounds tonight. Came up with some big plays. Huge block in transition. That was a highlight real play. Yeah, you already mentioned the finish in transition. So Pat is always going to be a guy that's going to be again much maligned. He'll make a mistake, which there was some mistakes in an inbound pass. Again, the second game in a row they've had a weird turnover there with between him and Drew Holiday. But overall, I thought great impact. Plus twenty five for Pat Connaughton on the night in a game they win by a. Eleven, he was out there in the in the big minutes. But Bobby Portis, we've said this all season long, and I certainly commented it after Game Two, and. I don't, I don't want to come across negative when it comes to Bobby Portis because' it's, I just don't want to be negative about this guy because he 's such a a fun player to watch a, such a fun player to succeed when he 's out there scoring and the energy that he brings again. I thought in the first half yeah I mean there's some tough defensive moments him and Brook Lopez were out on the floor together, uh, and it was a bit of a mess at times that,
0: but that, that 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 mix up where yeah. like they they both basically were playing. <laughs> yeah. drop yeah. And, and Trey had had a, a lifetime to size up a three that was really rough but yeah that let, was... let's just get that one out of the way because that was the obvious uh bad play by the two of them today
1: but it's not a negative because uh, again if you're gonna have Bobby Portis out there then he ha- you have to be using him on the offensive end and I, I thought yeah. again the way that they took advantage of I mean, he runs in transition. Give this guy credit. He runs as hard as anyone in transition. And he was getting to the restricted area, sticking his hand up, and they were throwing the ball down to him. And again, in the third quarter, when they just needed to hang around, they just needed to stay in the game, it felt like Bobby was the guy that would get them buckets or he would do something. And and it's just... I understand why this guy is a fan favorite because the, the plays that he makes and, and how much he just genuinely enjoys being out there. And also, something else that I like, which is a little bit weird, and I know people will be like, why do you like that? That's kind of strange. But I love the way that this guy, if you foul an opposition player, like Lou Williams he fouled tonight, He ends up like giving Lou Williams a pat on the ass. He knocked John Collins over and he's like, all right, man, I knocked you over. I'll help you up. Like all those things that people think you you shouldn't do in a playoff series, but he's just a good guy. He just seems like a good bloke. But then he will also bring out the asshole. And when he found Danilo Gallinari, did you see the way that he took a couple steps towards Gallinari? I was like, oh my goodness, it's about to go off. And Bud took him out of the game straight away. But he's also an intense motherfucker. And I, I just love the whole package. The whole package is awesome.
0: I was gonna say he's like when you were saying talking about him, you know, um, you know, being a good book. I was like, well, he's either that or just like (laughs) a shit, like starting shit and like glaring at people and and flexing and doing whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I I think back to um, I think back to the the Mavs game in Dallas where Giannis was hurt and Luca in that game got. Bobby isolated they got uh, isolated on switches like a number of times and Luca just hit like three or four shots just like in his grill and it was like nothing Bobby could do about it just like you know you know how Luca can be like just step back you know mid-range like you know just just hitting stuff in his face and I, I think that I think it's sort of one of these things where it's like people are so like Bobby is not a plus defender. Like if you get average defense from Bobby on a night, you're gonna you're gonna happily take that, right? Um, I, I just I, I think he's he's one of those guys though that um, in a pinch, you know, you can put him on an island for short spurts with um, with with a smaller guy. And look, he, he's not going to like. Generally, he can move his feet a little bit. And, you know, he can at least get a contest. And we saw it tonight. He got a couple shots nailed in his face. And it's just like, look, I mean, it's going to happen, right? But, like, I feel like people kind of, like, are so – look it's like, people are so obsessed sometimes with calling out his shortcomings as a defender that they call mm-hmm. him out on plays where he didn't do anything wrong. Like, guy just made a shot, you know? And um, I think – I think in this this game, it's really interesting to compare this game to last game to the game before, because last game was the, you know, Brooke Lopez can play drop coverage against Trey game, <laughs> and the Bucks did a great job of shrinking the floor and, you know, playing their sort of typical style and really not giving the Hawks any room to operate um, around the basket and enforcing a turn, turn, turnovers. And in this game, it didn't, it really, it was an interesting game because it didn't feel like Brook was put into that many pick and rolls. Um, it's not like it was game one where it was just, you know, a, a parade of, of Trey floaters on Brook. Um, but the Bucks got into this, the, we, got, we saw the game fell into this rhythm of whether it was Collins or Gallinari. Um, basically, the Hawks hunting mismatches on basically like their, their power forwards on Buck's wings. And they made a lot of hay on that. You know, Collins hit some short jumpers, Gallo hit a bunch of short jumpers. Um, it, it was a weird game because as much as Trey was was scoring and doing a lot of that with with his three-point shot and some really deep threes, uh, it, it was kind of a game that I think wasn't really like optimal kind of Hawks basketball. You know, I think, I think the Bucks took them away from some of the ball movement that, you know, is you see when the Hawks are really playing at their best. And, you know, credit to the Hawks. I mean, they made some threes. You know, Herter made some freaking deep threes and some tough shots. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised he only ends up with 11 on 11 shots because it felt like he especially had some good, really good possessions early in the game. But for the most part, you know, they, they kind of made the Hawks play. It kind of felt like they were making the Hawks Play like like it was the last series, right? Where it was just you know KD and the Nets going one on one against the Bucks, and the Bucks falling into the trap of just trying to play one on one basketball with the Nets. And I felt like the the Hawks did a lot of that tonight. And it didn't. It's not that it didn't work. It felt like they made a lot of like mid range shots and a lot of like iso shots uh, out of some of those. But you know, again, like if if you give me the option of Trey going downhill with potentially throwing lobs or spraying out for for open threes versus um, you know, them trying to play mismatch basketball. I'm okay with, with, I think some of the mismatch stuff, you know, cause it means the offense is Danilo Gall- Gallinari holding the ball for 12 seconds, or it means John Collins having to really work hard in the post and try to shoot over, you know, Drew holiday or Pat Connaughton or whatever, which again, I mean, you, you like their odds generally, but um, that's a, that's a two point shot. That's probably not a 50% shot. And so, you know, it's kind of a tip your cap type type thing. So, um, really interesting that tonight ends up being another um game. You know, D- Brook is minus seventeen. I don't think Brook was was really that bad. I think I think I would guess a lot of that was the Hawks hitting a lot of threes during that time, and obviously that was quite overlapped with some of the early part of the game. But it was interesting that this ended up being a game where we saw a lot more of the Bucks going smaller, plus Portis. Um, but for the most part, the Bucs being able to go small and, and switchable and and that ultimately carried them down the stretch when they went to their small ball lineup. And kind of similar to game one, they ended up getting a lot of stops, but this time they continued to score and they didn't give up all those offensive rebounds that that ultimately doomed them in game one. So just just interesting to see kind of the back and forth between, you know, the coaches, between these teams as they sort of feel each other out and try to do different things game by game. And um, you know, big credit to uh, you know, you look at the box score, Pat. You know, you mentioned it. Pat was plus twenty-five in thirty-two minutes. Only took three shots, scored five points, eight rebounds, um, an assist, and that huge block in transition on on Bogdanovich. Um, but he was just generally, I'd say, felt very good. And and you know, I think the Bucks Bucks made the Hawks work for you know the offense that they got. And again, they didn't shut down the Hawks by any stretch. They had a one-eleven offensive rating. Um, but this was a much slower game. This is only ninety-two possessions in this game. That's a very slow game. And so, you know, the two teams had to really kind of gut it out a bit, play slower. And the Bucs were able to take a little bit more advantage on the break. You know, you mentioned Bobby and Drew Holiday got out for another run out. Giannis, um, I thought the Bucks did another nice job of, you know, they don't they don't necessarily they haven't really found a way to unless they're like target tray, like just, you know. How people normally think of it, like really targeting Trey and just like one on ones, um, but they've really been able to take advantage of of Trey and Lou Williams in transition. It just felt like Lou Williams is doing a lot of like observing as <laughs> Giannis or somebody else, you know, puts him under the rim uh, and and scores easily in transition. I thought Bobby did that a, a number of times. You know, he he really did a good job getting out in transition. Which, as you said, you know, it's, you don't necessarily think of sort of big men as being the you know transition threats but Bobby has done a real nice job of that all year and tonight was another example where his his energy and his willingness to run the floor was rewarded a number of times.
1: Speaking of being rewarded, if the Locked On Bucks listeners want to be rewarded by listening to me talk about the Bucks a little bit more, you can do that on the Locked On Today podcast uh, with our friend Peter Bukowski Bucks fan, also host of Locked On Packers but he hosts the Locked On Today podcast so you can catch it catch up with that with him Uh, you get all your sports news in under 20 minutes so you can subscribe to that podcast wherever you get your podcast there Uh, a couple of things as we wrap it up here Giannis in the post game uh, some some really maybe tear-joking quote quotes here from Giannis. he described Chris Milton's performance as greatness he spoke about the relationship they had and Giannis says that he's told Chris the day he retires is going to be the toughest day of his career he's special for a reason and he showed it tonight so we know how close those two guys are they've been together uh, since since really since day one um, when Giannis was drafted Chris came a couple of weeks after that so uh, look they've been around for a long time and when I was going on my rant at the start of the podcast Frank I think that's part of the reason why like I generally when I have looked at sports teams that I've followed and I've watched the guys that are there for the longest are the guys that you generally love. And I, and I know that like you said, with the longer you're there, the more you can be critical. but It's kind of the opposite of the way I see it. You know, those two guys are what I think of when I think about the Bucks And I think about the resurgence of the franchise. I think about the journey that those two guys have been together from that playoff run where they lost to the bulls in the first round to um, this, this one here that we're in and the last couple of years and everything in between. So Uh, Giannis with some good stuff about Chris there. But the Bucs now have a real opportunity here in game four, a real opportunity to take a 3-1 lead and then head home uh, for game five. So they're going to take advantage for this. An update on Trey Young. He's going to go for an MRI tomorrow. Uh, He, as you would expect, has said that he thinks that he's going to play in the game, which, you know, I mean, I I would believe that he would play unless there was something... Uh, seriously untoward there. But this Hawks team, man, I mean, this is why I thought this was going to be a difficult series. You've got to give them some credit. They hit tough shots. They don't appear to be really ever overawed by the moment. I mean, they just seem to be able to stay calm, stay in games and hit big shots when they need it. They're incredibly impressive. And ultimately tonight, they just got beat by a guy that just went absolute flamethrower mode in the fourth quarter in, in Chris Middleton. Again, a performance I think we're going to remember for quite a while. Frank, any final thoughts from you as we
0: sign off here? No, I mean, as you said, it, like, you know, you just look, look at this next game. It's, I mean, the game threes, you know, are, are kind of that, that pivot points, that pivot point in, mm-hmm. in most series, win game three, it, it's a huge boost um, as far as putting pressure on, on the other team or, keeping yourself alive, you know, if you're like what we saw last series where the bucks were down two oh. so, um, I, I, it's just interesting game to game. I'm just very curious to see, you know, does next game become another game where, you know, the small switchable lineup ends up looming very large. Does, you know, do the bucks find a way to once again, use the bigger lineup, um, to hopefully get off to a better start and, and, you know, control sort of the tempo of the game more, which we did not see tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> they come fast, you know it's like you get you get 24 hours to enjoy a win <laughs> and then uh, you start having to be nervous about about the next game. But you know again, I think just winning a game three is just just so crucial, um, especially when you're the favorite um, to pile pressure on the other team going into game four that, that they have to win, right and uh, certainly you love you love the idea of, of winning game four to give yourself a chance to close out. Uh, in game five at home and and again this Hawks team's been super resilient they have shown that they can win on the road throughout the playoffs including in Milwaukee in game one um, but you know we know the Bucks have some guys and some uh, abilities as a team that I, I don't think the Hawks have and I think you know just especially defensively the Hawks just have a much harder time putting lineups together that are just Really solid defensively, you know. It just feels like they they have to make more compromises defensively, whereas the Bucks don't. And you know, on a night like tonight, you know, you think of Portis as as the defensive co- as a defensive compromise guy, and you know, he obviously he more than made up for for any issues he might normally have defensively. So, um, so yeah, bring on game four, um, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Chris can can uh, put some of this lightning in a bottle and keep it going. Hopefully, Giannis's calf feels good. Uh, and uh, hopefully Drew Holiday can shake off you know his his tough shooting game and look a little bit more like the guy we saw in games one and two. Um, but uh, man, playoffs continue to be very fun. And again, I think his fans, like just enjoy it, you know, like like listen to all the national pods tomorrow. I was a little annoyed, right? It's like Friday, like the Friday night game. You not you don't really get people talking from the national pods. You know, Nate Duncan and Dan LeRue, of course, do their pods like after every like every night after game. So if you subscribe or, or listen to their free versions. And then, then you get to, you know, get that from them certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, Friday night games are bad for, for getting that kind of national reaction. So to win Friday night in convincing fashion, then win tonight, um, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get at least 24 hour news cycle of people saying some nice things about the Milwaukee bucks Wouldn't that. That would be a little nice, right? So we can kind of enjoy, again, enjoy this playoff, enjoy these, these playoffs, enjoy these moments. Um, we know ultimately, you know, so much of, of, this season is going to just come down to do you win a championship or not. But um, while it's happening, just try to enjoy these nights and, and the feelings you get. Hopefully the deer just, just looked awesome again tonight. Hopefully a lot of you guys may have been out, be able to get out there and enjoy, you know, that that collective feeling of, of being with other Bucs fans that this is, you know, that's what sports I think are all about that, that fun. And um, we, we, we play our part just by hopefully giving you guys a little more energy being able to relive the games especially on nights like this when they win so um yeah hopefully we hopefully we can keep having podcasts like this uh kane i i i enjoy always i always enjoy talking to you but I'm talking to you after a win so that's that's the, that's the perfect way for me to to end to end a a, a a night well i'm gonna end it with a i'm gonna call it
1: an all-time quote an all-time quote from bobby portis here this is how <laughs> we're gonna wrap up the show he said they call me bp It's like gas. When you go to the gas station, I'm always going to have some energy and gas for you. That's Bobby Portis after this game. Oh, man, I love this guy. Bobby Portis. What an absolute legend. Uh, We're going to wrap it up here. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be able to talk about game four, what can potentially happen, probably have some news on Trey Young there as well. So make sure you catch the show tomorrow. And then, of course, post-game after game four as well. So we're rolling every day here. We appreciate everyone. Jumping on board during the playoff run. And for Frank and myself, uh, have fun out there, have fun celebrating. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.